1: Mahomes rules that's the nothing personal word of the day it is Thursday two 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 four February 22nd I'm coming at you live at 5 a.m pacific time from San Diego here to celebrate the 30th anniversary of the challenged athletes foundation if you don't know what the challenged athletes foundation does please check them out CAF been on the board of this organization for 15 years, maybe more, giving prosthetics and helping disabled people compete again in the athletics that they love. Landed last night, Coca went right to In-N-Out Burger, right from the airport, right from the go. The winds were ridiculous. The flying time was six hours and nine minutes from New York to San Diego. I watched a bunch of episodes of The Leftovers worked on the show, great Wi-Fi. Thank you. The in-and-out burger, that was only a couple hours ago because it's mighty early. For those of you who wake up at 5 a.m. to watch us live at 8 a.m. Eastern every day on the West Coast, and some of you contact me, I appreciate you because even for me, while I'm up anyway, it's early. And again, I would like to publicly Thank you for being here and apologize to the guy over there in room 367 who's listening saying, why the hell is that guy talking so loudly? It's only 5 a.m. Here's a thing that happens now every day. Every day. Thank God. Every day I can write a book. I can do a show. Coke and I have no problem finding content. Why are head coaches going on podcasts of their players? What's the exact purpose? It's a favor. I guess Max Crosby calls up Antonio Pierce and says, hey, can we do a show together? Come on, let's do some talking. Let's see if we can make some content. As you know, the barrier to entry in the podcast world is roughly zero. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yes, this is the Nothing Personal shirt that you can get at davidsampsonpodcast.com that I'm wearing. Yes, go right on. You can get it, enjoy it, wear it to work, wear it to do a show when you're on the road, because this show is on the road. I wonder if they, I wonder if Max said to Antonio, listen, I need some real stuff here. You know, I need to, I need to beat the Kelseys. So what do you got for me? So Antonio Pierce says the following.
0: Home rules and we, we, I'm calling now from now on, as long as I'm here, the Patrick Mahomes rules. Okay. So you remember when Jordan was going through it with the Pistons, all those guys in the eighties before he came, Michael Jordan, Air Jordan, the Pistons used to whoop his <laughs> Anytime he came to the home, elbows filling them love taps we touched them we in the head mentally physically emotionally spiritually i'm touching you so i show those guys jordan getting his whooped
1: i like the spiritually part i think that had a very big impact the jordan rules on michael jordan's spirituality i think they really got him for those of you not of my demographic as a gen xer The Jordan rules were put into place by the Detroit Pistons, and it was pretty clear what they were. Jordan is not going to get to the basket. We may not beat the Bulls, but when he drives the lane, we're going to hit him. If they call a foul, great. If they call a technical, fine. If they throw us out of the game, okay. Do not let him be unobstructed to the goal that's a rule. There's three ways to deal with players. You can have an approach. You can have a plan or you can have a rule. An approach is when you're heading into a game and you've got a meeting that you have with your hitters and pitchers and you go through the approach that we're going to have to each pitcher and the approach that we're going to have as pitchers to each hitter. This is what the tendencies are when it's a 2-1 count and one man on and one man out. The hitter tends to look for something down and in. Therefore, we're going to go up and away. We're going to bounce it. This hitter tends to sit on spin. Therefore, we're going to go the number one right in this count. Same with hitting. This pitcher tends to pitch backwards, look for first pitch change-ups. Be ready for that. If you want to spit on the changeup, that's fine. He sometimes backs it up with a fastball with runners on base because he doesn't want to risk a 2-0 count. An approach. I love it. It's good to have an approach. Then there's a plan. Sort of like Hannibal and the A-team. I've got a plan. A plan is when you're going down your entire roster and you look at the other team's roster, here's my plan. We are not going to let Barry Bonds beat us. That's the plan. Anyone else can beat us. Do not make a mistake against him. That's my plan. Then you get to the rule. We had a rule. The problem with the rule is anytime there's a violation, you actually have to yell at the players when a plan is not executed. You get to meet with your team and say, Hey, we had a plan. Why didn't you execute the pitch sequence the way we discussed? Why didn't you sit on that first pitch fastball you knew was coming? We knew we were doing a lot of running, and why did you not pay attention to the hit and run sign? You missed the plan. Man, that approach stunk. We lost that game. Terrible approach. They out-approached us. They beat us. You can miss your approach. You cannot execute your plan. But you know what you cannot do? you can't violate a rule. When the rule is that you are walking Barry Bonds, no matter who's on base, no matter how many outs, you are putting four fingers up and putting it on first. That's a rule, the Bonds rule. That's how you get walked with the bases loaded. Don't care. Well, we're gonna score, they're gonna score a run because of that. It's a rule. We don't break the rule. The choice of Antonio Pierce, the newly minted, power-loving, hungry, successful, I won Antonio Pierce. Why do I say that? Because for those who don't remember, because you stopped focusing on the Vegas Raiders, you just focused on the Vegas Super Bowl and the Hee Haw Three. Antonio Pierce was interim. There was no chance that he was going to be the head coach. Mark Davis was looking around, looking around, and the players said, you know what, including Max, uh, I love Antonio Pierce. I need Antonio Pierce. We're going to have Antonio Pierce. Lo and behold, Antonio Pierce was named the head coach, the permanent head coach. I wonder whether Antonio during this interview said, hey, we're going to do the Mahomes rules because, you know, Mark, we beat them on Christmas Day. Last time the Chiefs lost. We're the last team to beat the Super Bowl champions. That means we're like the Super Bowl runners up. That's how cool it is. I used to love doing that. It's so ridiculous. When you win two out of three against the team that then wins the World Series, you go back when during your off-season meetings. Hey, we're this close. We're like a player or two away. Look at the way we competed with this team that is now wearing rings. It's such delusion. It's so good. It's like the Raiders saying, hey, we're a great team. We beat the Chiefs on Christmas Day. Hey, way to go. I'm just not sure I understand these rules, the Jordan rules. But then I really started thinking about the NFL and injuries. And I started thinking about the 49ers in the playoffs, not this season, but the season before when Purdy was hurt. And I think Garoppolo was hurt. And I think Coca, I can't remember Coca. I think you may have been the quarterback who played in the NFC championship two years ago. And then all of a sudden the rules change. Now you can have three quarterbacks or 10 quarterbacks because they just didn't want to see Samson and Coca as quarterbacks. And the NFL's is themselves, the Mahomes rules. How did David Stern feel about the Jordan rules? David Stern was the commissioner of basketball when the Jordan rules were in place. And what's not being said about the Jordan rules is that the Detroit Pistons really were interested not just in making sure that Jordan did not get to the rim, It was, put him down. Hey, he gets hurt. Not my problem. It's the only way we're going to beat him. Sorry, I want his ass on the ground. Reminded me a little bit of the Dan Campbell press conference. We're going to go for kneecaps. I wonder whether David Stern really liked the Jordan rules or whether from the Jordan rules came the Jordan always gets the whistle which ended up hurting me and other teams way more than the benefit of the Jordan rules. We always thought as Nick fans, yeah, there are Jordan rules. It has nothing to do with him getting hit going to the hoop. It has to do with him getting a damn foul called on him every time I breathe on him. So now Roger Goodell has to deal with a team who is coming out and saying that there are going to be Mahomes rules. Do you think it's good for the NFL if Patrick Mahomes is not playing in that Super Bowl game? Well, bad example because they just needed Kelsey to play at the game and they needed Swift to attend the game. But that said, Patrick Mahomes used to be the number one star in football. And now with winning the way he wins, he is. Well, can I say it? Oh, darn it, Coca. All right. I'm going to say it. Mahomes is the face of football, but I don't think he is, but he's close. I don't think you want your face of football subject to rules, especially in a game where it's one thing to put Jordan down. Now, you can hurt someone in the NBA. There's no doubt I've seen it. It's not like the NFL. If you put, remember Bounty Gates? What teams had against Favre? I think Sean Payton was paying people to hurt players. Yeah, how'd that work out for Sean? I guess it worked out great. He's in Denver getting paid a lot of money not to win had a good plush TV gig. I guess it pays off to try to hurt people. I wonder whether Antonio Pierce meant that our rule is that we're going to hurt him, or maybe we're just going to get in his head mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. I wonder if Patrick Mahomes really gives a flying rat's pituitary gland if someone's trying to get in his mind. Jordan sure as heck didn't care about that. He would get in your mind, spiritually. Would you give me a small break? I don't. Th- I just don't think it's a new have to said anything. It's silly. It brings too much attention onto it now. Because now when the Raiders play the Chiefs, the NFL has to pay attention to this. And they have to figure out whether or not there really is a Mahomes rules and whether or not that's manifesting itself in an injury or in a possible injury in a late hit in what was described only on the Max Crosby show called The Rush as a tap. Maybe it's a love tap. I think there's going to be a problem. I actually have an interesting prediction on this. I think uh, Antonio Pierce may be patient zero for all of the problems in the NFL. How about that? How about the fact that he went public with the Mahomes rules and then I get to complain and I get to get annoyed as a football fan why when my defensive player touches a quarterback it's 15 freaking yards it's a drive extender and can be a game killer because God forbid we do anything to touch the quarterback. I agree we don't want to kill the quarterback. I don't want to go head to head with the quarterback but the way they call roughing the passer now I wonder how Antonio Pierce will be able to get through the roughing the passer penalty the way those are called with his Mahomes rules. I think he's going to have to focus more on the love tap one. Maybe they'll just do love taps like on the tushy. Hey, we're going to come at you. Next play. Mm, Do you work out? Instagram. It's a good app. You can see what people don't look like in real life. You can see people only only at their best, trying to make sure that you think that there's no worst. You can look and say, Wow, that person has a lot of friends, does a lot of things, goes a lot of places. Wouldn't it be great to be that person? Ah, crikeys, I've been that person for 60 minutes. I don't want to be that person anymore. Unfollow. Have you ever seen so much attention on athletes and who they follow and don't follow on Instagram? Every every week or so, every sport that has a free agent, you've got people who God knows why they're so non-productive in their lives. And I'm not, if I'm insulting anyone in the audience, forgive me, I love your 45 minutes, trust me. But after this 45 minutes, you wanna do Levitard, great. Sporting class, for sure. I just would rather you not spend your time searching through athletes' followers and figuring out who athletes follow and who they don't, and then all of a sudden it becomes some sort of insight. Like, we found gold, man. Justin Fields doesn't follow the Bears anymore. The Bears are trading him, and they're going to draft Caleb Williams with the number one pick. The Bears must have told Justin Fields, We don't love you. We don't want you. And he said, I know what to do in response. This will really get you. I'm going to unfollow you. Who gives a crap? Yet, there's an update. Justin Fields stopped following the Bears and the NFL. I wonder if that means he's going to go become a choir boy in a church. Or maybe he's going to join a band. Or maybe he's going to go on Survivor. Maybe that's why he unfollowed the NFL and the Bears because it's not just he doesn't want to. Oh, David, David, David. It must be two in the morning. Justin Fields is going to the newly merged XFL to be with The Rock. Oh, no, I got a better one. Stupid me. Silly David. Tricks are for kids. Justin Fields has decided to join Inter-Miami like everybody else and play with Lionel Messi. Do you know what goes into players and who they follow and who they don't? Zero thought. Do you know the correlation between following, unfollowing, and the likelihood of that player being on that team the following year? 0.0, a Blutarsky GPA. And Justin Fields basically said it. He said, why do people take social media so serious? He went on this podcast called the St. Brown Brothers Podcast. And he hadn't spoken before since the season ended. And he said, why do people take social media so serious? I'm just trying to take a little break. I unfollowed the Bears and the NFL. I'm not just trying to have football on my timeline. I'm about to go on vacation. I don't want to see no football. Okay. Given if Justin Fields had proper representation, and I'm not impugning his agent, but they need advice. They don't just need you to negotiate their contract. They need PR advice. They need life advice. These these young men are millionaires. We forget that all the time. We are giving millions of dollars to kids. Can you imagine back to, how old is Justin Fields, Coca? I'm going to guess he's 25 at most, 26. Could he be even 27? That would be outrageous if he's 27. But I may be wrong. Coco will tell me. I'm not sure my earpiece is working here in San Diego. He t- he's 24. He'll be 25 only eight days after I turn not 25. So he's 24 years old turning 25. Hmm. What were you doing when you were 24 turning 25? What has Justin Fields made, Coco? Career so far, maybe $3 million four million five million plus what his draft compensation was anyway the point i'm making i think it's pretty clear is that these players need financial advice they need life advice they need pr advice they need social media advice this is a 24 year old who's grossed 15 million dollars already So take 5% of the way of that for agents, if you want take 50% of the way for taxes. Let's just say he's got 6 million in the bank. It ain't nothing. Now he could have bought a house, a car, whatever. But he's made some money over the years in interest, even though interest rates used to be so low, where you almost had to pay to keep your money in a bank. But I digress. He's a millionaire at 24. How come no one told him that you don't have to unfollow the bears and create a storm. You can just mute them. If the answer is you truly just want to go on vacation and not see what the bears are posting, just mute, mute, mute. I don't block anybody. Say what you want. I may mute a person or two. I really don't. I have a thick skin. Do whatever you want to me. Say whatever you want. Show me love. No love. Up to you. But what I'm trying to get to is to let you know that this does not mean that Justin Fields is being traded. I actually said in January of this year, just a little over a month ago, that the Bears are going to trade the number one pick and keep Justin Fields. Everybody thinks, no, they're going to trade Justin Fields and then use the number one pick to get Caleb Williams. I think you can trade the number one pick, get a ton of assets to put around Justin Fields and make your team better. There are two schools of thought. The Bears will go one direction or the other. The only thing I know for sure is on February 22nd, 2024, with the draft three months away give or take. And that's me making up when the draft is, assuming it's sometime in June. The Chicago Bears have not made a final decision what they're doing because they have not yet collected the best and final offers to see what the value is of the number one pick. When you've got an asset, and that's what a number one pick is, no matter what, even in baseball, even when you're not allowed to trade picks, you value where you are in the draft. The way you value it is there is a dollar, analytically, there is a dollar amount associated with each pick at each round, an expected value, if you will. The way I valued it is show me packages. What can I get for this versus what can I get for that? And I'm going to need to hear from every team. I'm going to want New England's last and final, Pittsburgh's last and final. I'm going to want any team who has a quarterback who doesn't even have a quarterback. And you can go back to the agent for Craig Council as a free agent. Yes, I'm talking about managers in baseball now. Craig Council, his opportunity wasn't just teams who had fired their managers. His opportunity was any team. He ended up going to the Chicago Cubs, who had a manager, fired the manager they had because they were able to get Craig Council. If you have the number one pick and the number one consensus, number one, is Caleb Williams, do you think you're only calling teams without a quarterback? You're calling the Kansas City Chiefs because the Chiefs may want to take the top defender or the top receiver. Or they may want to also take Caleb Williams, play him for three years, sit him for three years like the, the Packers do with all their quarterbacks, and then play him three years from now. Who knows? your job is to call 31 teams, get the best package. So the correlation that you have here today that people are saying now on Chicago radio and everywhere else that Justin Fields is gone, it's just not correct. Now, how does Justin Fields feel about this? This is an interesting question and one that I grapple with over the entirety of my career in Montreal and Florida. When a player is... A living trade rumor. That's what we would call them. A living trade rumor is a guy who every single offseason everybody wants, and we can't decide whether or not we're going to keep him because he's getting more expensive. And then at every deadline when we're not playing well, every team in the race wants, and we can't decide if now nah, we better hold him until next season because we had some bad luck and we're going to be better next year. So when you are a living trade rumor, players tend to want to not be that. And what they'll do is they'll come up to management and say, hey, could you just do me a solid? Like, what's the plan? If you're going to trade me, I get it. Just tell me, hey, we're going to trade you. What I used to say to a few players is, I don't know that we will get a trade done, but we are certainly looking at trades that involve you. And my GMs would always get super angry with me because they didn't think it was good for players to know that. And I always disagreed with them. And I went over their head because I was over their head. And I would tell the player, I know you're hearing about yourself. I'm not stupid. You're not stupid. I can't answer, but you're an asset. You're an asset to this organization. And we have to do what we think is right. And it makes me sound terrible. People are not assets. I agree that people are not assets. I also agree that when you run a sports team, the players are the assets of that team. You're an asset in your job. People, Your boss doesn't necessarily look at you as a person. He looks at you as an asset or a liability. And you know what happens when you're a liability. Well, no, that's only in Saudi Arabia. Do you know what happens when you're a liability in your, in your company? You just get canned. It's always better just to get canned than slit, isn't it? So I don't blame Justin Fields at all for wanting to know what's going to happen. He actually said it. He said, if it was up to me, I would want to stay in Chicago. I love the city. The city's lit. The fans are great. The biggest thing is I just want it to be over. Let me know if I'm getting traded or let me know if I'm staying. I have great empathy for what Justin Fields is going through because the Bears can't. They don't know. And if they're smart, which I'm hoping they are, they don't want to lie. You don't want to call the player and say, hey, man, you're not getting traded. And then uh, we've had owners who've done it. Owners say to a player, hey, we're not trading you. And then all of a sudden he gets traded the next day. Ah, I forgot. To, I didn't realize that trade was going to come up. It's always better to say, hey, we're exploring all possibilities to make the team better. We will let you know as soon as we know. The goal back in my day was we don't want players to find out anything on social media. And sometimes they still did. And this was in the nascent age of social media. Now it's really hard to get to players before social media does. It's causing executives actually to change the rules. It used to be we would not tell players they were traded until the commissioner had approved the trade, until all physicals had been approved by each side and all documents were signed. Now there are teams who tell their players about a trade before those things have happened because it's going to get leaked. The problem with that is when something gets leaked, it doesn't always mean it's done. Generally, where there's smoke, there's fire, but certainly not all the time. And that's why it's always better to wait till it's truly done done to tell the player. Because imagine telling someone, yeah, I hope your kids find the new school. Good luck. See you later. Oh, just kidding. It's a terrible look. So I have great empathy for Justin Fields. I just have some bad news for you, Justin. I would just mute the Bears account. I would mute NFL. I would turn your phone off. I would stop doing podcasts, take a vacation, enjoy your off season. When the Bears make a decision, they'll get to you. And not before. All right. When we come back, I've been looking forward to this day for a week, Coca. We get to review Shawshank Redemption, my number six movie of all time. We are reviewing each of my top 100 movies, which can be found along with the shirt I'm wearing on the Nothing Personal with YouTube David Sampson channel. This shirt is on davidsampsonpodcast.com. This is a golf shirt with a diamond logo. It is a great shirt to wear out, to wear to work, to wear on casual Fridays or when you're traveling. And we have a link to my top 100 movies, words of the day, picks of the day everything we've reviewed, et cetera. And over a hundred weeks, we're gonna review every movie in my top 100 list. And we're gonna generate randomly what we do. So this week I got to watch Shawshank Redemption. So when we come back, I'm gonna review it. And then I'm gonna answer a question that one of you asked. People are all over the Pittsburgh Pirates and Bob Nutting. I mean, all over them. I've got a few, few comments on that after the break.
0: Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.
1: Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson and Matthew Koch coming at you live at 5 a.m. Pacific time. Give me 18 more minutes of your time. Thank you. We appreciate everything you do. Tell your friends about nothing personal. We run the Levitard show once a week. We do a show with John Skipper. We do a bunch of radio shows in various cities, but you can set your clocks. 8 a.m. Eastern, 5 a.m. Pacific. We are here Monday to Friday. Almost every Monday to Friday the whole year, actually, Coca. Pretty damn close. All right, let's talk. The reason I made my top 100 movies is because I watch a movie every day. I review a movie every day on the show, but I've been watching a movie every day long before I started Nothing Personal with Coca back in October of 2019. Coca, we're on episode 996. Do you know how close we are? We've done more than a thousand episodes because we have sit downs and mailbags and breaking new stuff. But this actual format, wait to see, word of the day, pick of the day, 996 Coca. I wonder if CBS ever thought that was gonna happen. Maybe they did. Wait, what's the math here? When is episode 1,000? I can't do the math right now. I'm too tired. I'm not even that tired. Can we talk about Shawshank Redemption? Can we talk about Brooks? Can we talk about Morgan Freeman? Can we talk about Andy Dufresne? Can we talk about what it is to have hope? Can we talk about what it is to have empathy for people who are criminals, who are in prison, who are then breaking out of prison, even when they're guilty, who have the ability to do it one tiny piece of gravel at a time? Can we talk about what it's like to crawl through a football field's worth of sewage to reach a level of freedom that you never thought you'd feel again? Or to do something like have a plan and stick to it that can take 20 years to take and then it works and then you are a fugitive except the character we're so in love with that we don't care that he's a fugitive? Can we talk about what it is like to have character development and a pairing such as Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman with a supporting cast that is perfect in every possible way. And can we talk about a movie that is likely, what what year is A coca? It's gotta be 20 years old, maybe more, 25 years old. That is as relevant today as it was then. It doesn't age. You go back and see an old movie and you say, ooh, that doesn't quite land as well. Porky's, that doesn't quite land. American Pie, I don't know. Love you, man. You know, Jason, I do. Shawshank lands still. You can talk to an 18 year old today. They can watch Shawshank Redemption for the first time and say to themselves, that's one of the best movies I've ever seen. When you look at a top 10 list for people who have my movie sensibilities, sort of an old romantic guy, people who love action movies, John Wick movies. Coke and I don't have much crossover. We've got crossover with Shawshank Redemption. If you have not seen it, stop, drop, and roll to your streaming service and watch it today. If you haven't seen it in five years or more, find a time this week or weekend to watch it. If you've seen it in the last week, put a list down of the five moments in that movie, because that's what I did for myself. I made a top five list, which I'm not doing on this show right now. We don't have time. And I don't have it on my phone. I did it on a piece of paper, which happens to be not where I am. But that said, I did a top five moments where I felt the exact same way watching the movie for the 50th time as I did watching it for the first time. So it's five moments where, no matter how often you see a movie, you are struck and that you feel about it as though you are seeing it for the first time. And Shawshank has those moments. It has so many. You've got to break them down to get to a top five. All right, one of our loyal fans, Eric, gave us a random number generator. We're going to put it on the screen now on David Sampson YouTube channel. Nothing personal with David Sampson. And then Coca is going to press a button. I'm going to put on my glasses and he's going to tell us what movie we're reviewing next week. Let's go, Matt. Oh, God, I love my list. Number 31, Thelma and Louise. I quote Thelma and Louise all the time. Hey, do you want to hold hands and just drive? Thelma and Louise with Harvey Keitel, Susan Sarandon, and Gina Davis is the greatest female buddy movie ever made ever we'll get to review it next week all right coca play me some music would you please you know what i want (laughs) i want to talk to samson so you want to talk to samson ever seen the movie half baked well there's a character named samson and if you want to talk to him all you got to do is Get in my DMs at David P. Sampson. Follow me on Twitter, X. You can do it on Instagram. I see those less. Or you can go to davidsampsonpodcast.com. There's a way to contact me and I read what you say. I can't respond to everybody. I try, though. Believe me, I try. And I appreciate how many of you reach out. I really do. Hi, David. That's an awesome start. I like when people do that. Hi, how are you? Love the show. All right, now, now this, this could be good come on, be a topic that I want to talk about. I was hoping to hear your thoughts on the recent article that came out from The Athletic regarding the Pirates and Bob Nutting. How bad of a look is this for Nutting and the franchise? Is Nutting as cheap as the media makes him out to be? Or is it the media not fully understanding finances in baseball? Or both, Well, I appreciate your question. The article you're referring to on The Athletic was written by Steven Nesbitt and Ken Rosenthal. And I do want to discuss this article because it's getting a hell of a lot of attention. Again, you want to read important pieces, go read Jason Stark and his spring training preview, the survey that he did of executives. Go read every time Ken Rosenthal writes anything. The talent on The Athletic is quite something. Their ability to properly, in a condensed manner, write things that make you think and make you learn, it's unparalleled. And there are deals you have to pay, but it's worth it. Very worth it. Since when is being educated, getting educated, should that be free? Oh, public school, I get that. But this is different. (laughs) All right, what did Ken Rosenthal do? This has been going on for a long time, and I get it. I understand why people think that the Pittsburgh Pirates are a disaster and Bob Nutting is a cheap bastard, and they call him a billionaire because his team's worth a billion and his family owns newspapers, et cetera. And now the Pirates haven't had success, and they look at his payroll; it's always low. They don't sign anybody. They don't improve. They don't win games. And he is there's always a face of failure. Failure is defined as an owner who doesn't win games and doesn't spend money. I always thought failure should be owners who don't win games, whether you spend money or not. Is it way better? Are fans happy? Hey, he tried. I love you, Artie Moreno. I do. You've got two of the best five players. You signed Rendon. I love you, man. Man, do we stink. Oh, God. Our team just won. One time, we're over 505 years, and our payroll is always in the bottom three. Damn you, you stink. Wait, why aren't you complimenting that owner? Why aren't we complimenting the fact that the Pirates had a run of playoffs, that they have open windows, and the Pirates are the exact example of what I've told you baseball is. There are open windows, and then there are closed windows, and then there are open windows, and then there are closed windows. The best teams can keep the open windows longer and the closed windows shorter. That's the best of the best. That's the best front offices. That's the best luck Tampa has had an open window for a really super long time. But they had a closed window for a really super long time also. The Pirates have had open windows of success. They won a World Series in the 70s. Then down, late 70s, down, open again in the 90s. They were fantastic in the 90s, then down. Then in 2000, what was it? 11, 12, and 13. There was a three year run. They won 90 games or more. Now, it doesn't mean they won a ring. They haven't won a ring since We Are Family, but the Mets haven't won a ring since 1986. That's the Mets. The Yankees haven't won a ring since 2009. And that's the Yankees. That window was open in the mid 2000s. That's not even 10 years ago. Now, since then, the window's been closed but then the window's going to open again. And for fans, I get it. It's hard because you feel as though that the closed window should be shorter and then you read articles like this and the articles make you feel even worse about the fact that you're a fan of the team and on top of that, they make you want to hate the owner because he's a cheap bastard. Then in the article, and Ken is a friend. I've had things like this written about me. And I'm, I am going to speak to Ken. I've not had a chance to speak to him, but I'm going to call him because I have a problem with one of the quotes that was put in there. Not, Ken didn't do anything wrong. He got the quote. He's going to run it because it's been great social media. People are jumping on it. There's an unnamed A-Rod. That's my code for a Ho, by the way. A-Rod, that's what we call him in, inside the sport when somebody's bad. You say, oh, he's such an A-Rod there's an unnamed A-Rod who gives a quote that says something to the effect of, we're a $10 billion industry and I'm inside meetings with the pirates and they do things to save $30,000. That's the general gist of the quote. And it's said with impunity. Like they're trying to we save $30,000 by manipulating the roster in a 10 billion dollar industry what a cheap owner and now that quote has oxygen let me explain it do you know what happens when your baseball people don't save that 30 grand they get fired do you know who else operates that way the yankees the dodgers the Giants, the Cubs, the Red Sox. Hold on. Do we have time, Coca? The Rays, the Marlins, the Padres, the Tigers. Do you want, to, do you want me to keep going? Do you want me to name all 30 teams? Because I'll do it right now. I'll go. To, want me to go division by division? Hold on. Let me go to your business. Go to your boss today and say, hey, go to your parents. Hey, listen, I have a way that I can save $30,000 from our expenses, but we're not going to do it. Why would we do that? what are we doing here? Of course, don't waste money. It's a business. Run your team. We got criticized all the time. Oh, they're so cheap. They're doing this, this, or that. You're damn right we are. Oh, but we're the only company looking to try to save expenses. We're trying to increase revenue and lower expenses. I can't believe that. Who would ever do that? What kind of moron would do that? Everybody. That's the answer. You want to criticize Bob Nutting, you go ahead and criticize him because you want the payroll to be higher because you want him to lose money on the annual basis. Fine. That's open. You want to criticize Bob Nutting because you think that he's lying and he's making money when he's not. Fine. Have it your way. You're wrong, but have it your way. You want to criticize Bob Nutting because he's not signing the biggest free agents and overpaying, and ending up with players who are just not going to help him win, fine. Criticize him. No problem. But you're going to criticize him for how a COO or a president is told to run a team, and by the way, doesn't need to be told how to run the team, because every business does that. You want to criticize that none of their international picks have worked I'm in. You want to criticize that their amateur draft has not developed the type of young talent that the Orioles have? I'm in. What does it mean? And what? how do you be successful and have longer open windows? Better baseball people. We're all fawning over the Baltimore Orioles. Have we already forgotten how crappy the Baltimore Orioles were for how long? And now they're in their open window. And then those players will get expensive and that window will close windows open and close. You can't force your window to open. You have to have the right young players. Pittsburgh hasn't drafted well. It happens. Is the correlation from that to cheap? The reason I'm defending Bob Nutting is that I've known him for a very long time, and I know him. This is not me thinking he's this way. I know him. He wants to win as badly as any other owner in that room. But to him, and but to the other guy, and but to the other guy, and but to all 30 guys, it is a business. No, the show's not over. I'm giving my pick of the day, so I'm not going to say it. I got three minutes. It is business. Read the article. It's worth it. Thank you for giving me that so you want to talk to Samson. I don't think it's a bad look for nutting. I don't think it's a bad look for the franchise, but I understand why people are all over him. I get it. Nothing personal pick of the day. Do you know we're 24 and 28? We had no pick yesterday. The NBA starts back up tonight. Once the second half starts, again, we're going to say what we said with, the, with Major League Baseball's All-Star Game. This is not starting the second half of the NBA season. So when you're talking to your friends today or you're listening to all your other shows, hey, we're starting the second half. No, no, we're already well more than halfway done with the NBA season. The second half would be game 42. Dallas Mavericks are two and a half point favorites over the Suns. And here in this last stretch of games, you're going to see Luka, the way he didn't care about the All-Star game, you're going to see that it's go time for him right now. I'm looking for Luka over this last stretch of 20-plus. I'm looking for him to take over, like MVP style. We're taking the Mavs 2.5 over the Suns. Now, the only danger to this pick is that Kevin Durant is playing angry tonight. Kevin Durant has gotten into it. He gets into it on social media with a lot of people. But he got into it because he wanted to respond to Charles Barkley. Barkley was uh, pretty vocal during an alt-cast of the All-Star Game saying that, uh, you know, Durant, not much of a leader. And Durant, who responds on social media to strangers and to any criticism, of course, was going to respond to what Charles Barkley would say. And he basically said, you know, I'm not as charismatic as my peers. I may not have the biggest personality, but I'm also one of the greatest players of all time. I can be in the conversation of who the goat is because of the things he's accomplished on the court and the the situations that I've been in. And you know what I was thinking? It must be really frustrating for people. There are two types of people. There's people who love the spotlight and people who don't. There's people who are gregarious. There's people who are not. There's people who lead vocally. There's people who lead by example. There's people who don't lead at all. You can be one of the most talented basketball players in the world and not be a leader. You can be a mediocre bench player and be one of the great leaders on a team. That's like somebody in a a department that's not the main department of a business can still be a leader in a company. Generally, you move up, you get more responsibility, make more money. Sometimes just being a leader can overtake lack of actual ability to do the underlying job sometimes you're so good at the job you do that people don't need you to be a leader. They just need you to do what you do. Like, don't let him out of his cage. He's plugged in now. Mark Zuckerberg would say, don't talk to him. Eh, Not much of a leader. I can't hear what anyone's saying, but boy, can he code. Kevin Durant can ball. Kevin Durant is one of the greatest players of all time, and anybody who signs him, they know him. They know that he is not the vocal leader. He's not the one who's going to be rah-rah, he is just right down the middle. You don't know if you're up 20 or down 20. You don't know if he just buried his grandmother for just had dinner with her for 150th birthday. You just don't know he's playing basketball. Remember the whole "live and that live? Everyone's got different personalities. Can we stop with the criticisms of Durant and stop wanting players to be who we want them to be with the personalities we want them to have because that's how we view what leadership should be or what greatness should be. Just stop it. Thank you. That said, we're taking the maps two and a half over the suns. Well, thank you for tuning in at 5 a.m. Eastern on the Pacific side, 8 a.m. Eastern. Guess what? We'll see you soon. I'm going to say tomorrow, Coca. I think we're going to see tomorrow because I don't think Coca-minded waking up at this time, but we'll let you know. It's just business. This is Nothing Personal.